Welcome to the AW Confidential Podcast. I'm the founder of Awakened Women and author of A Journey to Becoming the Best Self. AW is about sharing stories. I believe it's one of the best ways to create connection, heal, and learn from one another. I hope you join me and some guests along the way as we explore different perspectives and experiences on topics about women, for women, and to inspire, empower, and encourage women. And thank you for doing this. Of course. Hi, loves. Welcome to AW Confidential. Thank you for being here for another interesting episode. I started this platform as a way to blast the doors off topics that for decades have been taboo, ignored, or shameful in some way. Generational trauma can be a bad word in our community. The cycle of trauma is passed down across generations and impacts families physically and psychologically. It is important to understand that these can stem from biological or learned behaviors and can happen to an individual or a group. The most commonly spoken about are the ones that have to do with abuse, such as domestic abuse, physical, emotional, and sexual abuse. But there are others, substance abuse, depression, poverty, genocide, emotional numbness, slavery, war, natural disasters, and something as simple as difficulty trusting others can be passed on from generation to generation. We may not necessarily pass on the traumatic experience, but we can transmit the anxiety to our younger generation, generations as early as in utero. Today's guest understands and has lived generational trauma. Like myself and many of you, we have broken the cycle thankfully. Actress, author, speaker, and creative director at Lion Chaser Media, April Hernandez Castillo, is best known for her performance in the film Freedom Writers, one of my favorites to this day, starring Hilary Swank. She played Eva and was very convincing as a tough Latina gang member. Her career was taking off but April behind the scenes was keeping a real life secret as she dealt with her traumatic past. April, welcome. Hi, good morning. Great morning. Good morning. <laughs> yes, great morning. Thank you so much for being here and just sharing your story. Thank you. So, for having oh, absolutely. You know, I love you. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> so you grew up in the rough streets of the Bronx during the crack epidemic era. You had some struggles that began at home. And then in your later years, I believe in your teen years, you dealt with your own trauma of an abusive relationship. But when I read about your story, it's not, that's not my focus. My focus is your resilience and your ability to forgive. And we've had this conversation, we've touched on it, mm -hmm. and I love how you went from trauma to strength. And that's what I 
want our audience to take away today. But before we even get there, we do need to speak about, you know, generational trauma. And, um, you know, there's a really big stigma. It's almost like we're, we're talking about hablando de algo malo, something that's, you know, that's taboo. And it's more common than we realize or than, or than we want to admit to. So this term, generational trauma, is showing up a lot more today than ever. And I wanted to talk a little bit about your journey. Where did it begin? Can you share a little bit about what, what transpired and how you came to the realization, you know, that you were in this cycle? Did you see any patterns? Um, and how did you come out on the other side unstuck? I know that's a loaded question, girl. That is a loaded question. <laughs> so let's start with one. So I grew up in the Bronx, uh, born and raised. I grew up in the 80s during the, the height of the crack epidemic era. And, you know, before that, New York City had experienced, you know, uh, heroin and cocaine in the 70s, right? Then it transgressed trend, into the, um, into crack. And unfortunately, that's when the war on drugs was established. That's when say no, that's, you know, from the Reagan era, um, which I just never worked. Uh, and also crack is whack, all of these terms. And, and into the 90s, crack continued. And we saw movies like um, New Jack City. And I remember watching New Jack City and thinking, wow, I grew up in that kind of neighborhood. I'll, I'm still growing up in that kind of neighborhood, right? So I think it started more like early 80s, mid 80s. Um, and then it really leaned into the 90s because that's when drugs was at an all-time high. Drug dealers, that's when you really saw drug dealers and, and, and cell phones and beepers. So I think it took almost sort of a decade to finally, you know, reach as many people um and Brooklyn and the Bronx and Washington Heights especially we were hit really hard I'm not saying Queens wasn't or anyone else but th those you could really feel so despite growing up in all of that and the Bronx is still tough <laughs> this Bronx is still absolutely dangerous um which which really makes me sad because I I'm a Bronx girl I love it but the amount of death that I hear about every day um there's no more street code right the young the young people they don't have street code we had street code like there were certain people you didn't rob right old ladies kids mothers you typically just didn't now everyone um is a target which makes it even more dangerous to walk these streets but there's still this sense of pride um in Bronxites we love it we we're very cocky we're very proud um and so despite all of that, you know, I grew up in a house that was that was loving. Um, my parents did their best to give me everything that they could. I never saw abuse in the sense of, you know, my father didn't like punch my mom and hit my mom. Um, my mom played more of the aggressive role and I didn't understand her plight. I didn't understand her story until I was much older. 
Um, and I realized that, oh, my mom had abused me mentally and emotionally, right? So, so that's years of work. And then unfortunately, I fell into an abusive relationship, which is where we're, we were talking about. Um, and so from the age of 16 to about 19 and a half, I was in a physical and emotional abusive relationship, which eventually almost led to him taking my life. I was able to escape. Um, I wanted to take my own life and I unfortunately became pregnant and had an abortion. So there was a lot going on as a teenager, um, which I didn't understand because I was like, man, I wasn't really around that in the sense of what my other friends, I saw abuse from my other friends. And when you become an adult, you don't realize how much of that trauma you carry on into your life how it affects your decisions, how it affects your professional environment, um, how it affects your relationships, intimate relationships. And so it was only until I did Freedom Riders. So now you're talking about 2007, 2008. So no one knew about my abuse, not my parents. The only person who knew about it really was my boyfriend, who is now my husband, not the abuser. Just want to <laughs> make that clear. So that's that's where I discovered it because I was like, oh, I, I feel like I have a story. I never identified as a victim because I didn't have that language. I just knew I left a really bad, toxic, unhealthy relationship. And I said, I'm going to make something of my life. I'm not going to allow it to define me. Mm. So so I think sometimes when we when we experience abuses and 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 it's all and it's different for everyone. There is no formula that works. That's why I never, when people ask, oh, what advice can you give? I'm very particular because it's very different for everyone. Um, I am going to ask you later yes, on. Yes, but of course. <laughs> it, because, you know, how many of our friends say, well, why did you stay? Why didn't you leave? Or how could you allow somebody, you know, to hit you? Like no woman or no, no person wakes up in their right mind saying like, oh my gosh, I want to be abused today. Like, that's my goal. No one wants to be, um, you know, told that, that they're pieces of you know what. No one, no woman wants that. Um, but when you find yourself in that situation, it's a web, right? It's so deep. And sometimes you don't even realize that you are in an abusive relationship. Because we, as women, we tend to overlook you know, especially Latina women, right? We have this, the I bendito syndrome. We have that syndrome where we where we look at that person and be like, I bendito. Who's going to be there for this person? Meanwhile, you have a you, black eye. <laughs> you have more sympathy or empathy for that person, the abuser, right. than you because do for God yourself. Forbid we actually put ourselves first, especially in the Latino culture. So those are some of the things that I had experienced and I realized like, oh, I, I, I need help. I need to understand where this came from but did was there a point where that sort of helped you make that shift or did one day you just realize I can't do this anymore or did something trigger that moment the shift to leave the relationship yeah the shift to leave to leave the relationship when I was 19 was because I wanted to kill myself so so the thought of and I, and we didn't even really understand the word suicide because no one committed suicide. Like if a person committed suicide, number one, you never knew about it. You never heard about it. 
Um, no one really in the black and brown community was com committing suicide. That just wasn't a thing. We just dealt with life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You either ran away from your problems, you got high, you you drank. just, it was, you drank. It, it, bad relationships. Bad yeah. relationships. You're like, all right, I left, you know, but but when you, when I was a teenager and I was thinking like, I I don't want to live anymore. You know, I don't want to wake up anymore because it was that, that so much pain and disappointment and shame, which was heavier than anything. Um, having the abortion to me was worse than the actual abuse, right? Because it was something that I was making a decision. Um, and like, I never wanted to make that kind of decision, but I knew I couldn't stay. I couldn't raise a child at that age with someone who was that evil. And I'm glad that you. Yeah, you know, say. it's, it's, I mean, I'm very careful when I talk about my abortion because everybody always wants you to either take a side or take a stance. And I'm like, listen, I did it's it. Personal. It's very personal. Um, it, I never felt empowered. I don't know this rhetoric now that I'm seeing women saying like making videos on social media of how empowered I, excuse me, but that's a crock of shit. No one goes into an abortion clinic and you're like, what? yes, I'm having a party. That's, you know, and hey, if that's how you feel, then by all means, that's you. But not for me. For me, it was one of the hardest and worst decisions that, you know, I've been able to finally forgive myself for. But those generational curses did come from my family and I didn't know. And I'm actually I'm glad you mentioned that. Because I, you mentioned the word forgiveness, and I think that we have to first accept what has happened to us before we even begin to deal with our stuff. And then I know for myself, I've had to go through the process of acceptance to help me heal. And part of that is forgiveness, forgiveness right. for myself for those that hurt me, because walking around with all that pain is, is detrimental to our mental, emotional, um, and, and physical health. Right. So I'm wondering, um, what, like, I, I want to try and give the audience sort of like some of the, you know, the signs or the symptoms or help them sort of decipher like how do how do you know when you're in this pattern in this cycle I know because well now I'm older and I'm just I feel more aware I've read more I've spoken my about my story and I feel that I'm not the only one I'm not alone and right. as you speak it out into you know existence as you speak to other people as you read you realize first of all I'm not alone and second of all something's wrong here something's wrong so yeah I think it's the gut right I think it's mm. that intuition I think it's whatever that whatever you referred to but you just know huh I don't feel like this is what a healthy relationship but if you come from a family that you've never seen or witnessed what healthy relationships look like, how do you have a reference? Yeah. How can you tell? 
but I think we have that animal instinct. I think animal instinct that, you know, that third eye that tells you this is on, this is not right because when this happens, I feel this way. So, you know, um, obviously if somebody is hitting you, that is a sign. <laughs> That's the number one sign. But what happens when it's not physical abuse, right? What happens when it's verbal? What happens? So verbal meaning um, the way they talk to you, the way they talk down to you, the way that if if you're around their friends and he or he or she or whoever, however you identify, they embarrass you. They constantly put down your dreams. They constantly um, gaslighting you. So what does that really mean, right? When we talk about gaslighting, because I see it in the media and it drives me crazy how no one really uses it the right way. And gaslighting, it came, it derived from a movie from, I think, I, I wrote an article about this. Yes. Right. Yes. And so the, the, the man kept the light on. Or, or something like that. And and then the woman would be like, did I have it on? It's one of those things where you doubt everything that you're saying because this person is manipulating you. Psychological so, manipulation. Psychological, yes, it is psychological manipulation. So for instance, my ex-boyfriend, he would be like, oh, I, I saw you looking at that guy. I know you were looking at him. And when I tell you there was no one there, and I didn't even, when I would walk with him, I barely would look up because I just didn't want to, you know, I didn't know if he was going to hit me. I didn't know what that was going to be like. And it was just this constant, like, am I crazy? So once you ask yourself, am I going crazy? Uh, I, that's I, the I, moment where you just be like, I I'm, I think I'm going crazy. Like he's really me. He's really making me feel like I'm over, you know, I'm over exaggerating or am I really complaining? Like, I think I'm complaining too much. So then what happens is you become and you begin to shift and change who you are. So if you are a woman who has a big mouth, you become quiet. If you are a person who really doesn't speak, you become even quieter. Because that's what abuse does especially with sexual assault, sexual abuse, rape, molestation. That person who is utilizing their power to instill fear is saying, if you tell mommy or daddy, or if you tell anyone, I will end your life. So as a child, you don't. How, how, how can you really, because you're, you're thinking, my gosh, if I say something, what if he hurts my mom or what if he hurts my dad or whoever's raising me? So that's why we stay quiet. And, and once again, our little bodies don't understand what is taking place. And if you're going to get even deeper there, you know, there are kids who, you know, you're like, wow, it feels good, but it's not supposed to feel good. And I don't know what to do with this. Like, that's how deep and demonic sexual abuse is you know, and all of these things. So people say, why does it take a victim to speak for so long? Because sometimes our brains haven't even allowed us to comprehend that we were abused because then we disassociate. So all of these things, that's why it takes time. So that's why it took me almost 10 years because of the shame of everything that I was like, who, why would I want to share this with anyone who I know is going to judge me? Well, and I, this, this is, this is the, I guess the, the bravery part and, and you deciding to cope and to sort of bring out your story into the light, it's bravery all on its own, but you took this 
story and you wrote a book about it. And I want to know why did you feel that it was important um, to release the story into the world? How did you get there? Because it's painful. Right. I mean, because when you survive something and you've been able to heal, you've been able to be successful, you've been able to find love, you've been able to love yourself, forgive yourself, then that is a gift from God, right? So God saved me. I gave my life to Christ and and he has called me to be able to spread my gospel in the sense of, you know, it is possible that healing can happen, that you can find love, um, that you that you can enjoy the sun again. Right? And that you're worthy. And, the, and that you're worthy of that healing. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I've, I've spoken, I don't know how many stages, and I've met hundreds of women who I've witnessed them in their trauma. They are, they are at the height of their trauma. And they go, I, I can't talk about it. It's just too much. And I understand that. And there are some things that is, they, they, it will be a lifelong journey of healing, you know? And, and I think, I think that's the beauty of it. And then I think that there are things that need to be healed right away. Um, and so writing the book, it's just, it's just an extension of what I do, of who I am. Um, I write it for the little girl and the teenager that I wish I wish someone would have written a book. I wrote it for the woman who is secretly ashamed and and just can't move past and doesn't think that she's worthy. Um, I write it for the man who is is wondering, how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better father? How can I not repeat the cycle of abuse? You know, because I've had a lot of men say, well, can I read your book? And I'm like, you should you should read my book, <laughs> right? It'll give you, it'll give you insight on, on what and how abuse truly affects us as human beings. So, so it's, it's, you know, and once again, it's like stories can, can impact lives. Right. Absolutely. That's why that's why we do what we do. That's why we do what we do. That's why <laughs> we get up. That's why we we write, because maybe some people don't have the courage, you know, to to get on camera and to share their, their lives. But if I if a person can can read words and then it gives them the courage to be like, wow, let me write about even if you write about it and no one ever sees it. That's that's beauty. And that's why Freedom Writers was so powerful. You know, when she hands them the book, she's like, it doesn't matter. No one's going to judge your words, but you deserve, you deserve to express your pain, your whatever you're going through, because your words matter. I, oh man, I, um, <clears throat> I remember seeing that movie during a time where I still had not dealt with my trauma and I remember that moment and it's powerful yeah because I I mean I've been writing journals wow since I was 14 but I I wrote because I couldn't talk about the things that I was writing about right and I remember seeing that on screen 
And I was like, wow. It it sort of clicked. Um it it clicked for many people. And 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 it even goes back further to Anne Frank. You know, we we tell people you have no idea how your words can impact the world. That little girl, that teenage girl wrote about her feelings of, of, of the Holocaust, of wanting to become all of these things. And she died at the age of 16. Um, and it was years later that her diary was discovered. And then her father was the one who published it. And I think it sold over 30 million copies, translated into 60, I think 60 or 66 languages. And she never saw the light of it. But it's but it's then but then history. right and then Aaron Gruel found the book, the diary of Anne Frank, and brought it to her classroom because she's like, listen, you think you're in a war? Yeah, you are in a war, but li listen, li read somebody else's story right now. You know, you're you're not the only one who's suffering. Um, and right now there's there's so much suffering in this world. Right now there's a war going on, and we're seeing it live. And you just think, man, am I am I living? I'm alive, but am I truly living out my purpose? Yeah, I've been through a lot of stuff. How do I make it all work? What if I I you know what if I suck as a mom, <laughs> right? How do I how do I redeem myself? Every day you get to redeem yourself. How do you get to break the cycle of addiction, right? It's just one step at a time. And but you got to sit with yourself. And that can be incredibly uncomfortable. Oh, listen, <laughs> I mean, who the heck wants to sit with all their pain? Like, hey, girl, oh, you, you know, the, oh, it's like you're going to sit in a room and it, it literally it feels like the room is packed with bags of your crap because yeah. literally, oh, it is. That's what you're doing. Right. That's I mean, what you're doing. So I'm like, who's coming to the stage today? You know, what what part of the hurt April or or where, you know what I'm saying? And I just and I feel like this, you know, I, I get the whole, you know, um, uh, oh, my gosh, what is it like the self like helping yourself and like, you know, I'm just there like, yo, you know, what's real about helping yourself when you can sit. When you can sit. And you're ish. And really allow it and, and feel it. And you know what I'm saying? Yes, getting your nails done, pampering yourself. I think that's all great and dandy. But that is only the outside. If you want to see real healing, mama, you better start doing some real soul work. And the soul work, no one can do that for you until you decide, I am ready. I'm terrified. I, I may not be ready, but I have to get better. And actually, I, I do want to um, ask you about this because we are moms. And it's, I mean, the level of impact that you have on your children is, it's lifelong. Yes. So how do you, how do you deal with your children knowing about your trauma because you wrote a book mm -hmm. and it's all out there how has that been oh it was amazing I can't wait for my daughters to read my book 
you know, my, my, I, I, Summer Rose is 10 years old and, and, and she loves to read. And, you know, one day she was like, mom, can I read your book? And I said, there's certain chapters you can read. And then there's certain chapters that I want you to hold off on. And maybe when you're like 16, I'll let you read the book because, uh, you know, I think you'll be able to process it more. Um, but it was amazing because, you know, I wrote the book during the height of the pandemic and my daughter would see me writing and she had no idea what I was writing about. She, there were times when she would catch me crying and she would just encourage me, you know, and my mom never allowed me to encourage her. So I allow my daughter to see me cry. I, I allow my daughter to encourage me. I allow her to to give me words of encouragement and empowerment. Um, she prays for me constantly. And so those are the ways that I've been able to break the cycle because, you know, my mom was, you know, she was an alpha who was had a very tough side to her and and she taught me how to be tough. You know, I always say my dad taught, taught me how to love. And my mom taught me how to fight. Wow. And now, and now you do both. Both, right? I teach my <laughs> yes. daughter how to fight. I'm yes. like, you're, you're a fighter. You were number one, you're Latina and you're a New Yorker. You have to be tough. That's just what it is, you know? And people be like, oh, why? Um, walk the streets yeah. of New York City and you'll understand why. Don't be judging, okay? Um, and, the, and and she'll take that wherever she goes. Everywhere, everywhere. And I yeah. it's, and it's wonderful because I said, you have so many wonderful characteristics that that's who you're going to be for the rest of your life. And as a parent, it is my duty to to bring those out of you, to call out the leadership, to call out everything that I know you're capable of being. And 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 my words and my husband's words and her identity in Christ, that's who that's what's going to build her identity. You know, um, I don't need anyone trying to impact my daughter's identity because we have an identity issue in this world right now. And so as parents, you are supposed to do that. That's why you're called a mom and a dad. Now, when I listen to you speak, it's very apparent to me that faith is important to you. Yes. And we all need some... Uh, there's no way to get out of generational trauma, break the cycle without some support. Right. You need some type of support. Right. Yes, you do the internal work, but you know, whether it's therapy or 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 a pastor or a or a friend or a parent, you need support. Right. So being that, you know, generational trauma is so complicated. Mm -hmm. Human beings are incredibly complex. Mm -hmm. What resources did you resort to as you unfolded the trauma that was left behind for you to figure out? Before I started speaking, I, you know, um, I really needed to understand domestic violence. I needed to understand intimate partner violence. And I started taking classes. I started with this um, organization called Connect Institute in New York, and they've been my mentors. They they literally showed me why it happens. I mean, some of the best teachers I had access to, because I as I needed to be responsible in whom I communicated with, especially as a speaker. Can you imagine if I just went on stage and I was like, men suck like that, <laughs> you know? But if you're still operating from a place place of pain and 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 hurt that is how you will lead 
with your pain. With your you pain. Need, and, and people think that that's empowerment. And that's not. That's false empowerment. But I was like, I can't do that because that's not fair to the men who are doing it right. Um, and to the men that who want to try and do better. Now, I already I also know my boundaries. You know, I, I there are certain men or, or people that I can't work with just because of my own triggers. And I'm aware of that. But it was doing the work and understanding. And then, if, yes, of course, like, you know, God being in my life and also, you know, therapy. It was it was just a combination because I was like, man, a I team, have right. I had a team, girl. I had so many shackles. I had so many spiritual shackles on my soul that I thought I can't, you know, therapy alone would not be enough for me. And and for some people, therapy alone is everything. As long as you're doing something to work on yourself, um, that's that's just how we heal. Because I remember someone asked me a profound question. They go, when when do you know, when did you know that you were ready to begin mm. speaking about it? And I had to be like, huh. And I said, I think I was ready when I wouldn't have panic attacks anymore. When I wouldn't feel like I was suffocating from the anxiety. Where I can talk about it, but not relive it. Wow. Because if I'm, if I'm on stage, I have to be careful. Because there's a woman or there's somebody who's suffering. And if I am reliving my trauma, I'm triggering her trauma. So I had to be able to have that wisdom that I can talk about it and not relive it. Especially, someone, yeah, especially if you're there for, you know, someone's paying you, right? You're not there to like slay, you know, some speakers just have an ego and they just want to slay and think, you know, I'm like, no, man, like you're playing with people's lives. You want, you want to connect, but yeah, you, you don't want to, want to you don't want to, to add to that trauma. I don't want to add to the trauma, right. you know, and, and right. I'm always very aware of when I'm speaking, I give like warnings, I go, whatever I say, please, like. You have, if you want to get up and leave, you can do that. If you want to talk to me, like, you know, I, I always give out warnings just because it is very triggering. I mean, it's a heavy topic to talk about, but, but that's how I knew, you know, especially when I began talking about my abortion, which is, which wasn't until 20 years later. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that was a whole other, like. That's you know. trauma. That. That is also trauma. Yeah, that's whether you choose it or not, it, I think that yeah, is also it's it, it was traumatizing, and you know now I now I can fully talk about it, and I'm once again I'm not reliving it. I'm not you know my body the trauma has left my body, but the memory well, is still there. Well, what is it they say? You forgive, don't forget. Right. I mean, so one of the things that. I think is important to do. And there's so much, there's been so much to unpack and we could, I know we could speak for hours. Right. I do like to leave our community with some sort of, I'm not sure if it's, you want to use a mantra or advice or, or a quote or just some type of um, inspiring um, message. So for anyone in our community who's listening, 
and who feels like I want to break the cycle. I am ready to break the cycle. What would you say to them? Because I think the first part is sort of acknowledging that there is trauma, that there is a problem. What's next? What would you say to that person? Hmm. Everything begins with one step. Oh, I just got chills. One step. Mm. Stop faking it to make it. Because <laughs> it's not going to bring you anything but more pain. And it won't get solved overnight. That's for sure. It, it takes solved. years. And, 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 but the one step. You know, because life is so overwhelming, you know, bills, trying to figure out your life. If you're not happy, if you're unfulfilled, it's saying, what is one step that I can take? That's all you need. That That is all you need. Now, obviously, there are 10 other things that you, you know, but, but when you make that choice, the power of choice. The ability to say, I want to live and I want to live a life that is fulfilling, filled with purpose. I need to make the decision and whatever that is for you. So when I, you know, was in the depths of my own hell and I've been there several times in different areas of my life, I said, I, I want I need to leave and I desperately want to live. Mm -hmm. You know, I witnessed my mom not live. She was alive, barely towards the end, but she never lived out her life. So that is my why. That is what keeps me every day pushing to be as great as I can be. You know, I try to be the best friend I can be. Definitely try to be the best wife. I try to be the best mom. I try to be the best version to me. I'm I'm not always good at that. I'm getting better. Love um, starts with you. You know, but but I definitely love myself. Um, I know what's it I know what it's like to be in the other spectrum of hating myself. And I'm like, that's not gonna get me anywhere. <laughs> And I don't want any wrinkles. So I need to <laughs> maintain. My mom used to say that. You know, I just, I need to maintain <laughs> as much as I can um, because stress brings your face to look <laughs> older. And who the hell wants to look older? We don't, right? And I don't want Botox. Not yet, not yet. Um, That's like maybe like in 10 more years. And so, you know, whoever, whatever JLo's doing, that's, you know, I just want. Um. But yeah, it just is that one step. What can we do? What can we do with that one step? You know, maybe that one step is drinking water. Maybe that one step is just taking a breath because we operate under so much pressure. We don't breathe. Hmm. We breathe shallow breaths. But when you actually sit and breathe and allow it to just you're, you you can think clearer in seconds 
Now, if you're having a panic attack, that's a little different, but I'm talking about just waking up and saying like, you know what, I'm going to take five minutes and I'm going to breathe. I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to answer any mail, any emails. I'm just going to breathe. And once you've taken that breath, you have a glass of water and you're like, okay, what do I need to do? Right. So action steps, one action step. That is all. Don't 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 let social media bombard you with like, oh, you know, boss lady. It's a lot of noise. A lot, it's of, a lot noise. of noise. Like just that yeah. one thing. If you can do one thing, then you've accomplished everything. And, and I'll tell you why. Because when I was going through my postpartum depression, and that was the second time where um I tried to take my own life. So I had a friend, bless her soul. I would cry because that's all I could do. And she would tell me, April, this is what you're going to do. While I'm sobbing, she says, you're going to get out of bed. And you're going to get in the shower. And you're going to take a shower. And then you're going to comb your hair. And then you're just going to just breathe. And I did that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to comb my hair. And just doing that made me feel like, I'm okay. I can do this. Simple. But it's really hard when you're depressed. Yeah. You know, when your body, when your body is telling you, don't get up, don't get up. It's, it's like your body up. gives up and you're your trying. Up. Yeah. Right. Right. And you're, and you, and, and, and like, you don't want to, but, but your, your chemistry is down. Well, it's, it's like your mind gives up first and then your body follows. Yeah. Right. It's like everything. Yeah. So like for me, getting up and taking a shower and but like I had to physically hear those words. You get up, just get up and go to the bathroom and, and turn on the shower and then just take a shower. And that was all I did to accomplish. And I felt accomplished. And some days that's all you can handle. And that's OK. As long as you get in that shower and you right. It's OK. It's because you're like, okay, well, I washed my hair. I, I put a little makeup on and I feel like I can I can live. And it's just, I'm saying this because I lived it. Um, I, I don't really talk about things that I haven't gone through and done that I'm like, no, you can do this. Um, but but just breathing. Breathing will help you so much. Um, and you deserve, you deserve to breathe. You know, you deserve to feel that air in your lungs. You deserve to just be like, I'm going to be okay. April, thank you so, so much. But I can't let you go without yes. you letting us know uh, the name of your book, where everyone can find it. Yes, it has incredible reviews. Yes. Please yes, share with us how can everyone find you and all those good details. Of course. Well, embracing me. It's my sweater. I'm going to ask you. I wish I had more. I need to sell it again. Embrace me. me. One of those. Yes. I need to. <laughs> I have. I don't have any more in stock, but I think I'm going to put this out again. It was a hit. Uh, you can catch me, catch the book on amazon.com or pretty much anywhere where they sell books. Embracing me. It is a memoir. It is for everyone and anyone who is just in a place that you need, like you need to laugh because you will, you will mm -hmm. cry. Um, but you will find the strength to to just um, be able to move forward. And and I'm so proud of the book and the team that helped me. So thank you for allowing me to speak about all of this. I hope what we said, I know it was a little heavy, but I hope that someone walks away feeling a little bit more enlightened and that they can take their first step.
You're amazing. You're a beautiful soul. Wait, your social media. Yes. Where do people find you? My social media. Well, um, if you are on Instagram, you can catch me at April L. Hernandez. And if you are on LinkedIn, you can catch me at April Hernandez Castillo. I know too many names. And I also have my website, AprilHernandezSpeaks.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your beautiful soul. Of course. Thank you. And thank you, loves, for joining us on this um really important episode of AW Confidential. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me on this episode of AW Confidential. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with all your friends. You can find me on awakened-woman.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse as Woman Awakened. I'm also on Facebook as AW Inspires. I hope you join me next time on another episode that is sure to be anything but confidential.